what is freaking up? <laughs> What's good? Not the Enneagram. That's Not the Enneagram. <laughs> we are back. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's Jack here. And this is Malia. And we are back for round two of this podcast called Not My Type. Of course. So naturally, we're going to go a little bit more in depth into the types today, into the neuroses to see what causes them, how they form, where they go. Um, so we're just going to start off with something pretty general. Yeah. So we promised last episode that we would give you some uh, helpful tips on how to figure out what your type is. Um, and so the best way to do that is just to start with the centers. Yeah, so the, the centers are the three different forms of intelligence that we have. So the Enneagram is always divided into threes, and you'll figure that out pretty quickly. Uh, but the first most basic division of three are these three groups of three types that fall into different intelligence centers. So the first one we're going to talk about is the body. Mm -hmm. So the body types are eight, nine, and one, and they all have some sort of issue with anger. Um, and that's kind of general, but essentially it means that they're all dealing with some internal um, yearning for justice, and they're seeking autonomy and power as they try to like find where that justice would fall. Um, but they're in the body, that's the main center, that's their dominant center. So they're responding to the instincts that they feel, and they're primarily concerned with action. So the, the landscape through which they see the world, um, and th the way they illustrate the reality, is an action-oriented landscape. And so that means that their instincts prompt them to do things, and their first concern is how they should do that. So what does that look like practically? I mean, I know behaviors are, it's kind of hard to say, oh, this behavior is always, uh, you know, this type. But what is an example of, of that? That's a great question. And functionally, we just can't give one because, <laughs> because these three different types, eights, nines, and ones, are all responding to their anger so differently. Hmm. And anyone who knows the Enneagram a little bit at all would know that eights and nines are about the two most opposite looking types on the whole system. So basically, when you learn the types more individually, it'll make more sense. So we'll get to that in a second. But anyone's anger can be channeled in different different ways. So it's not really going to look the same for any two types, even though there will be central themes. And that's good to recognize. Exactly. Then even in the anger and body types, they can look completely different. Yeah. So I would even argue that they have to look completely different. And that also applies to the heart and head center. So we'll get to those next. So twos, threes, and fours are the heart types and they're on the right bottom side of the Enneagram, and they're primarily concerned with the issue of shame. And so shame is this ne primary negative emotion that channels this idea that there is something about me that must be altered, or I must do something extravagant in order to be worthy of love. And they're creating this emotional landscape, and they're seeking identity and, and a good image, essentially. Uh, and because they're the heart types, their primary concern is, is this question of how do I feel? So their first, their first response is how do I feel in any given emotional state? And who am I? So how does their identity play into that? Exactly. Essentially, they just all want to have some sense of attention from other people or from the world around them or some sort of internal attention. They just want some sort of ver verification, I guess, mm -hmm. of like who they think they are. And they want others to see them in this prime way that they think that they've like idealized in their head. And again, just like the body types, um, these types can look completely different even though they share the same Yeah, core and they motivation. will. They will look completely different. Okay, so then we have the head. Yeah, so where the the heart types are seeking attention and where the body types are seeking autonomy, the head types are seeking security because their primary negative emotion is fear. Um, so when you're afraid of everything, <laughs> and yeah. the world becomes a rational landscape where you're concerned with what makes sense. And so that's the, the primary question that they're asking is, what do I think makes sense? Um, but for sixes and fives and sevens, they're going to have different responses to that question. All that being said, they're concerned with plans and strategies to, to get them from point A to point B in a way that feels safe and secure. Because life is something you have to live, but obviously you want to do it in a way that 
you don't feel rattled or absolutely destroyed. So they are concerned with security um, and the fear that lies underneath it. So if you take a step back, just before we get really into all of the numbers and like their core uh, things individually, like all of these centers, and correct me if I'm wrong, are kind of this idea that this is the way that you view the world. This is the way you interact with the world mm -hmm. um, through the body, through action, or through the head, through like what you're thinking, or through your heart and kind of like your instinctual, you know, feeling. I feel like I want to do this. I wouldn't say instinctual for the heart, but it, it's not just I feel like I want to do this. But it's a it, for the heart. It's a it's a concern of what do I feel will get me attention. Mm. That's really the the response for the heart types. And a lot of them wouldn't admit that. You know, like right. a two, three, and four who are not aware of their cycles are going to think they're just like living life. They don't realize that they're looking for some sort of identity validation, but they are. And that's kind of all of the numbers, in a way. Yeah, they're all deep in neurosis. Like without I any identification, it'll just be a cyclical pattern where things go poorly, and you just keep going. Right. So let's go in really deep now. And what is at the underlying fact, like if you were to not know anything about the Enneagram. The root lies. The root lies, yeah. Yeah, okay, so we'll jump in. I, I think we'll start with type one because that's just sort of an easy way to mm -hmm. begin and it makes sense. So for the one, the root lies that they're bad. That's their primary internalized lie about who they are. Um, and you'll notice that all of these lies are gonna have to do with the self. They all return to some sense of who I am or how I operate. And for the type one, it's this idea that I'm bad. And so what that means is, what I'm made up of is something that's not of good quality. Um, and they essentially- And that's what they're believing, even if they don't know that they're believing that. Yeah, and so the process becomes, how do I make myself less evil mm -hmm. or less bad? Um, and so they have to do good in order to atone for this. Uh, but the problem is when you keep thinking that everything you're doing is not enough to make you good, then you just everything- keep doing it. Exactly, everything is not good enough. Right. So there is this, there's this pattern of perfection that the one is striving for. There's this pattern of good quality. Um, but obviously nothing is perfect in the world. And so there never is really this sense of satisfaction for the one. They're always slightly dissatisfied with the world. Um, and that's why you'll hear a lot about like- this the perfectionist? Sense of, yeah, exactly. There's this sense of criticism. But I don't think it's even helpful to think of them as perfectionists because anyone can be a perfectionist, like we said before. But at the end of the day, they're concerned with how do I convince myself that I'm a good person? Um, and how do I convince others that I'm a good person? But that's all unconscious. You know, these lies are not like things I consciously think about. Um, no one mm -hmm. is consciously thinking them. They're just intrinsic. And to connect it to the, the body types, they almost kind of do are action-oriented in that seeking exactly. for goodness. Yeah, yeah, because their primary response, their primary question as a body type is, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. um, but so, what, what right. do I need to do in order to deal with this feeling of being bad? So they're, they're very actionable types. Um, and I think that's important to recognize is they're always going to be a little bit um, a little bit too motivated to keep going and keep doing things because that's how they th think that they're going to atone for their sins in a sense. Okay, so let's talk about the second neurosis. Okay, the second neurosis. This is the first of the heart types we're going to talk about. Um, and so the internalized lie for the two is that I'm undesirable. Um, and this narrative looks a lot like this. You, people have probably heard of this idea of I need to be needed. That's the primary need for the two. Um, but that's actually not, that's not really what they actually need. What they need is some sense of validation that I'm, I am desirable. Because all of these lies that we internalize, we want to uproot them and we want to upend them and convince ourselves and other people that they're not true. Um, but since we, we secretly do believe them to be true, um, our patterns end up looking like that. We end up looking like people who are bad or people who are undesirable, even though it's not like our goal. Right, but we it's end up actually the opposite. No, yeah, our goal, neurotically, is to undo it. 
But what we don't realize as humans is that the neuroses don't work. We just think they do. Right. Um, so for the two, in their, in their journey to become something desirable, they become primarily concerned with making other people feel desired so that hopefully mm -hmm. in turn, they will desire them back. Um, but this, this idea that they're not wanted means that they think they don't, they don't have a place unless they're needed. Mm. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of people think about twos and they see them as this hyper-relational type. And that's true. They are relational typically. But they're only relational as far as it makes them feel wanted right. or makes them feel desired. And so how does that connect to the... Because we just moved from the body center. So how does that connect to the heart? Yeah, so the, the two is a heart type, like Malia said. And this primarily concerns them with this, this doing or being that must be adjusted in order for them to be worthy of love. So for the two, they, they are convinced that they're not worthy of love unless other people want them. Which is an identity exactly. thing more an identity so than action-oriented. Yeah, and so twos are trying to get attention by directing all of their attention on other people. Right. Um, and so the world around them becomes their primary focus, but it's not actually their end goal. Their mm -hmm. end goal is to get some Secretly, sort of they want yeah. <laughs> they want the attention. They want the love. Yeah, and as a, as a disclaimer to anyone who's listening, Malia and I are both twos. <laughs> um, it's not the goal, but it did occur. Yes. That's, that's what happened. But um, just like so you know where our biases might be coming from, you know, because everyone views the Enneagram slightly different. And I'm sure that as twos, we're both going to see the Enneagram in some specific light. And Loki, the two is the worst. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all terrible, but we're both kind of like embarrassed. But it is what it is. Right. Um, so let's move on from the moving two. Moving on. <laughs> so, let's not talk about that one. So uh. the third neurosis um, is this internalized lie that I'm inherently worthless. Yikers. Um, right. But what that means... So juicy, that yeah, one. <laughs> I know, it's really a good one. But the subservient lie is this idea that I'm only as valuable as what I produce. Hmm. So you um, you hear about the three as someone who's just like gunning for what they want, but it's not really what they want. It's just what they think will get them the most applause, essentially. Um, the problem is the three in their process of winning people's attention and being something likable, they lose sense of who they are. Right, they almost become this like chameleon. Yeah, that's an image you'll hear a lot. Mm -hmm. So they, they turn into like, oh, I'm with this group. I'll just, you know, become what this group would like. Or I'll go to this group and turn into something else. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be a group. It could be individuals, it mm -hmm. could be anything. The three is learning to adapt to whatever environment they're in in order for them to receive some sort of attention um, and get this sense that, oh, people like what I produced, I'm likable, I'm good, and I'm admirable. Mm -hmm. So really the three is under this impression that if I'm not constantly producing something of value, I, I am not valuable. Mm -hmm. So their value is conditional, essentially. Which to be fair, like if you're listening to this for the first time, you might think, well, that seems really action oriented. Why would you say like the three is connected to the heart rather than a body type? Well, so that's a great question. I mean, anyone can be concerned with action. That's mm -hmm. the thing. It's just that for the three, the primary response is still, what do I feel? Even though they, they often don't look like feeling people. And we'll cover that more later. I mean, these types are so dynamic and they're so complex. But the three is doing a lot because of the primary question of what do I feel? Or rather, what is being felt about me? Mm -hmm. Who am I? How am I seen? What is my identity? Exactly. And so these, these two, threes, and fours, they're all concerned with some sense of who am I to myself and who am I to others in the world. Um, and so this yearning for attention can be kind of like distasteful. Right. Maybe, <laughs> again, maybe that's our bias. Who knows? But um, yeah, so the three is trying to be something valuable, something worthwhile based on how hard they've worked and, and the best thing they've produced. Um, but this makes this sort of like deceitful attitude mm. about life. Um, 
Because if you can be whoever you want to be, like, who are you, you know? Yeah, exactly. You can lie your way up the chain in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and when you keep adapting and you keep adapting and you keep adapting, you really lose touch with, like, okay, which of these people was the real me? I really don't know because I've constantly shifted myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of rough. And in contrast, the fourth neurosis is, is something that presents so differently. So the four has internalized this lie that I'm not understandable um, and I never will be understood. So they, they kind of take on this sense that um, since the world doesn't get me, um, I have to do my best to get me. And so mm -hmm. the four is very concerned with identity, but they're concerned with identity in a, in a sort of reserved inward way. Um, and what that looks a lot like is just this yearning for the depths of identity in a really nuanced, intricate way. And so you'll hear about fours a lot of times on the internet nowadays as like these, like, oh, the, all the, the feels stuff, like I feel everything. Type. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's fair to think of fours that way as like having a broad range of feelings because they're actually very specific in their feelings. They've, they've worked so hard. They're, they live in this emotional landscape so deeply. Like twos and threes also exist in the emotional landscape, but fours exist in the emotional landscape from the lens of no one understands me. So they inherently get themselves as, as separate, as something like, like they live on the moon and everyone else lives on earth. And so their emotional realities become very nuanced and specific. So it's like when they're sad, they're really sad. Or when they're happy, they're really happy. Or when they're angry, they're really angry. Um, but I think you'll hear about fours, like a lot of times, I think there are just a lot of people who are mistyped, which again, like comes back to why we're even doing this podcast. But a lot of people you'll, you'll read about on the internet or like a lot of people in your life probably even think that they're fours, that they're such empathetic people and like, oh, I really get everyone. But like, no, you actually don't. Like if you actually were a four, you'd be kind of elitist <laughs> and kind of separate and kind of Very like- withdrawn. Yeah, just existing in your own world because the rest of the world isn't gonna do for you. Because if you were to engage with the world in a real contacted, um, concrete way, it wouldn't be enough mm -hmm. because no one would get you. And so fours, really have this sense of lack, that, that they are missing something that everyone else has. And so they have to be that extraordinary thing in order to have value. Um, and so they, they identify with what's missing rather than what they have. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that like the world is not deep enough for them, so anything in the world is too shallow. Mm -hmm. And so fours have this sense that like everything is, is just unsatisfactory. And so they have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But the deeper they go, the further from civilization they go, and the more isolated they become. And which makes them feel more isolated, which then just perpetuates the And even the cycle. further misunderstood. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. But, I mean, so moving on to the five, the five is also kind of like within themselves, but for different reasons. Yeah, so fives are also super withdrawn, um, but the internalized life for the five, as a head type concerned with fear, is this idea that I don't have any needs. So fives are afraid of engaging with the world, not like actively necessarily, but um, they view the world in a skeptical lens, like something to be distrusted. Uh, so they prefer to just sort of detach and watch the world go by. And so fives have this sense of like objectivity and factual realities that seem so sharp and, and distinct, but it's really because they get to see the world from like a bird's eye view that is really far away and, and separate. So like the four, they are separate. But the four being a heart type is concerned with their identity. So they take on this sense of separateness as an identity, but for the five, being a head type, they're concerned with security. So the sense of being separate is just the way that they stay safe. So the head types wanting security have gone under this impression that the safest way I can operate is through um, tactic X. And so the five is trying to stay separate from the world because if I engage less, I have less to lose. 
Um, and so this idea of I don't have any needs bleeds into this idea that the world's needs will also be too much for me because mm -hmm. I don't want you to bear the weight of my needs uh, because I think you'll reject me. Um, but I also don't want to bear the weight of your needs because that will be overwhelming for me. So the five really exist in this like isolated vacuum in their heads in a Which sense. Which they almost prefer. Exactly, because it keeps them safe. Right. And the fours, likewise, prefer their own separate little vacuum because it gets them attention. So, mm. it's, so it's an identity thing for fours, uh, but for fives it's just a practical thing. You know, it's a sense of this is the way I exist most safely. Um, for sixes... The Which are also head type. Uh, also head types, yeah, the center of the head types. Um, they have internalized this lie that they're not capable. I'm incapable. Um, and so because they're, they're under the impression that they can't do anything well or that they will fail at whatever they or do. Or even they distrust their own mind. Yeah, they, they have to distrust their own mind. And so they have to outsource any sense of capability to support systems that they've attached themselves to. Um, and this is a really cautious um, testing and, and, and trying experience for sixes because like fives and sevens, they're still in the head types, so they're concerned with what's true and what's safe. Um, and so since they don't trust their own minds, but they're primarily concerned with what's safe, they're always distrusting the choices they've made. Mm -hmm. So there's this sense of I've attached to X thing, Y thing that makes me feel secure, but how do I even know that I can trust myself to have made that decision well? Right. Um, so, so there's a lot of cycle of like being sure and then being unsure and then being sure and being unsure. Exactly. So with the five, like the five is also existing in the world in a skeptical, cautious way. But for the six, they're a lot more of an active type. So they're making decisions quickly and then kind of regretting it. So you get this more anxious energy from the six that the five lacks. So where they're both skeptical, they're both kind of cautious and trying to figure it out rationally. Um, the six has this manic, crazy energy to them sometimes right. because the, the neurosis is saying, I'm not capable to make this decision myself. So can you make it? Exactly. Like can can exactly. these other people they make it? They want the world decision. externally to make it. So like the systems that they've attached to or the people that they've attached to are expected to be responsible for the six. So there's sort of like this overt neediness from the six, which they're kind of okay with, you know, because that's the way they get support. So the six is primarily concerned with getting support because they can't trust themselves. Whereas with the five and the seven, you'll see that they both trust themselves a lot more than the six does. So the seventh neurosis is this idea that I won't be taken care of. And because I'm not going to be taken care of, I need to go take care of myself because others are not going to provide what I need. So sevens are really concerned that they'll be disappointed, but they don't want to feel that pain. So they just like keep moving and keep distracting themselves. And, and this seventh neurosis is about this idea of more, more, more. I need more of mm -hmm. the world. I need more of existence because if I ever slow down and settle for a smaller portion, how do I know that it's not going to be too little? You know, How do I know it, it'll fill my stomach? Um, yeah, so sevens are really concerned with the sense of contentment, but nothing is ever enough for them to feel content, so they are constantly stimulating their reality. And, and so stimulating their mind. Yeah, As exactly. a head type, they're like doing all of these actions. They're, they're going out like you might see a seven just like gallivanting around, you know? <laughs> and, yet, and yet that's not like a body-oriented a body right. action. That's a head-oriented action because that's just a way of all the things that they're doing just go on to feed this idea of what makes sense to my world. Mm -hmm. So these five, sixes, and sevens as head types are constantly accepting or denying information. They're trying to filter, okay, what's true, what's false, what's true, what's false, what do I trust, what do I not trust? Mm -hmm. And so fives and sixes existing in this cautious mindset are often rejecting positive information, like things that might seem too good to be true. But for the seven, it's inverted uh, because they don't want to feel this pain of not being satisfied. Or and it's not interesting, it's almost like the five and the six kind of recognize this lack and, and seek out in, in, like the five kind of recognizes the lack and is like, well, I don't want to lose any more. So they kind of 
withdraw. The six says, I recognize a lack. I need to outsource in order yeah. to get it. But the seven says, the I recognize. denial. I, yeah, they're like, I'm going to go for it, you know. And so the seven it almost looks like the most fun type. And, like, people all the time tell me, like, oh, I wish I was a seven. Because, like, they want to be a seven. Sevens. And sevens love being sevens, too. Right, because they totally are oblivious to the pain that they're just, like, not not thinking about. Yeah, so their response to fear is essentially, I'm not f afraid. Right. I I'm not going to feel it. Um, so everything becomes this sort of, like, let me paint the world over with this rosy perspective so that I don't have to deal with anything that might be too hard for me to stomach. So this... This is like we were talking about with that trusting and distrusting what's true, what's false. Fives, is, fives and sixes might reject information that feels too good to be true. But for sevens, all of the good stuff is the only thing that they deem true. And so the information that they're shoving away and deeming false and no, I'm not going to fit this into my roadmap. I'm not going to fit this into my strategy or my plan for life. Um, all that they're getting rid of is the negative information. So sevens are inherently distrusting anything that feels too um, too painful essentially and so all negative information is rejected for and the seven. so would you say for a seven like when when people see sevens and they're you know gallivanting as i have said and they're kind of just going after all of this fun stuff it looks like oh wow their life is so awesome they must love it but it's almost would you say they they wouldn't say that no you know? i think a lot of times they would they would say because like oh this is enough yeah they're uh -huh. tricked they're tricked uh, but i think this and yet they the, keep going. They keep going because they don't know how to do it any other way. And that's the mm. point. Like, these neuroses exist within us, all of them to some degree. But the one that we're most addicted to is the one that w we're especially blind to. We don't see it as a problem because it's the only way we've existed long enough to see the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are the head types. I guess we should move on to eight. Yeah. So the eight, back we're in back the body. back in the body, yeah. Yo, back in my body, Maggie Rogers. <laughs> um, good song, if anyone's listening. Um, back, in <laughs> back in the body types. So the eight is concerned with anger, just like ones and nines are. Um, but they're very expressive of that anger because their internalized lie is this idea that I will be betrayed. Um, so rather than be betrayed, I need to find leverage to protect myself from anyone that might um, try to stab me in the back. Because betrayal is a lot about power. It's like emotional power. Like I've given you a piece of me and you're going to turn around and like... Use it against me. Yeah, so the eight is almost like saying, I want more dirt on you than so you that, have on me. So that you can't possibly wound me. <laughs> right. And this is very interesting. I love eights. I love eights so much. And I think this neurosis is what makes narratives so interesting, like makes great stories, great movies, all sorts of things. But the eighth neurosis is under this impression that like it, it will never be the bad guy. Hmm. Like because I am always expecting betrayal. I'm not the one at, at fault, and so I have to find the people who are at fault, and I have to expose them, and I have to attack them, and I have to get them out of the position of power that they might be in. And so there's this sort of like sensitive hidden part of the eight that really loves the underdog, and a lot of eights that you'll meet might, might present like a, a gruff front, but at the end of the day, they really have this hidden sensitive sweet spot that, that cares for that part of innocence that they have so rejected from themselves. So eights really have disidentified with anything that seems weak, anything that seems vulnerable, anything that seems innocent, because those three things are like the spaces where people can be rejected. Right. They would almost be, you know, I think of like someone, uh, <laughs> I think of that dragon from like The Hobbit that has like this one spot in, in their belly and it's the only place that they can be wounded. Exactly. But it, so yeah. therefore it's the one thing that they're always trying to protect. Yeah, and so, I think eights, notice that like eights are closest to the head types of all the body types. There is this sense of distrust from eights that you also get that it's interesting. Um, they, they don't trust other people quickly often because they don't want to be betrayed. Um, but they, ha I, I love eights, they're so interesting and they're so, 
they have so much depth to them that is just masked. And, and once you get to know them, they usually are really, really wonderful. Um, so then we have, we have nine. We're, we're, we're at the end. We're at the end. So the ninth neurosis is this idea that I don't matter. My presence is not going to make a difference in the world. Um, so when I don't matter, I don't want to deal with the pain of that. I would rather just exist as, as peacefully and most comfortably as I can. So the nine learns to sort of like drift down the river, you know, just like hop in the tube and float and let the river take them where it will. Um, I think that's really an interesting tactic, uh, but it makes things kind of boring. <laughs> right. I don't know. It, like the Everything ninth, is moderation. Exactly. Like everything is just sort of whatever to the ninth because they're not allowed to assert themselves. That's this internalized idea that if I assert myself, I'll have to acknowledge the fact that I'm actually very angry because remember they're a body type. So where right. eights are very expressive of their anger and ones are sort of like using it as a tool to, to cut away the bad parts of themselves. Nines have convinced themselves that they're not angry at all. Um, but they are in fact very angry. But were they to show up and exist in the world and acknowledge their own presence and how much they do matter, they would see the way that they have ignored themselves and the way that others have ignored them. And others have taken advantage of their kindness or their flexibility or their adaptability. Um, and they'd be very angry. And so almost, I, I feel like nines almost live in this like back and forth um, idea of, you know, I can't assert myself, but I also can't not be around because I have to live in this medium, this mediocre, comfortable. comfortable life where I'm not being too much, but I can't be any, like, I can't be nothing. I can't detach from the world. Um, but, so I need to be there. But, you know, who are you? What are you doing? If you're action-oriented, but you feel like you can't do anything. And they can't pick sides, ever. Right. And that's, like, that's, you'll hear a lot about nines being afraid of conflict. And it's true, they might be afraid of conflict. But the reason everyone loves nines is not because they're so conflict-averse. It's because they just are too uncomfortable with the idea of anything that feels that violent. Like, conflict feels violent to the nine. So they just want the easiest existence. And I think there's, like, this very hidden selfishness in the ninth neurosis that people just don't see, you know? Um, because nines are typically so delightful. Because every other ego, all these other eight types, want to expand. But the nine doesn't know how to expand because it's threatening and it makes them uncomfortable. Um, so they just learn to minimize the self in a way. Not like, a, oh, I hate myself, but they just don't consider the fact that they, their presence is going to make a difference. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. They don't minimize themselves. They just like more and more forget that they are there in yeah, a way. Yeah, that's so true. That's and so true. what's interesting about the nine that I think we should mention is that it's at the top. So why... Why, why is it at the top rather than start with one? You know, it's like an odd That's true. way to, to do it. And some people would call um, the nine the crown of the Enneagram, meaning that it, like, it sort of like is the kingpin. It represents all of the other types. And it really does in a way. Like I think of the ninth neurosis as a watered down version of all of the other eight types together. You know, it, it represents. Which is a rough, it's a rough time. It, it sounds really <laughs> rough, but when you're so moderate in all of those degrees, like nothing, no one part of you stands out, you make so much space for more, for like bigger, more violent personalities to have the space that they want, which and is why those, which is why those personalities like the exactly. nine so much, because the, the nine says, "Oh, you're here. Oh, excuse me." Yeah, <laughs> like the nine is just constantly making space for others in a way right. that like looks really kind and polite, and not that it never is, um, but the neurosis isn't like good-hearted. You know, the nine is still concerned with what needs to be done, but they just never, like it never occurs to them that they would be the ones to do it. So they just do less and less and less, and let the world around them do more. I think what's so fascinating about the nine is that the nine is almost aiding and abetting all of the other types. Like think about it in relationship with the one. The one yeah, like says, "I want to yeah. be good," and the nine is just there to be like, "Oh, you're good, buddy." You know, the two says, "I want to be, I want to be desired." The nine says, "I desire you." You know, it's like I'm gonna do, and it adapts not in not in the way the three does, which is I'm adapting to receive, 
but the nine almost adapts in order to to be you know to give to any of the types what they want yeah and you hear about this verb merging for nines like they just merge with the reality around them and that's because they don't know how to exist in any other way you know like any sort of differentiation any space where i would um, assert myself and show who i really am would make others uncomfortable and that would in turn make me uncomfortable. So I'd rather exist in this little bubble of like ease and comfort. So they moderately adapt to every exactly. situation. I think nines honestly, like people love nines also because they're positive people. Like They always have a positive outlook. Exactly. For you to keep adapting to every part of reality, you can't see it as a negative thing. You know, like if you're merging yourself with everything in the world and your aim is to stay comfortable and be at ease, you're not going to think of the world around you as negative because that's where your existence is. You know, like your sense of self is merged with everything around you. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting that, that the nine should be so likable and so lovable. And yet they're kind of living this half-life. You know, like all the neuroses are equally unhealthy and equally unhelpful. But the nine like looks the least problematic and yet it's also the least alive. You know, it's the least vivid, it's the least distinct. The ninth neurosis is just this sort of like, I'm gonna stay asleep to myself um, and just sort of like exist. Which I think would actually bring up a really good transition into the topic of these passions. So if anyone's familiar with the term passion, it's like this really ancient way of describing the primary vice or the primary sin of each type. And so from these ancient spiritual practices, People took the seven deadly sins and added two more from the Eastern tradition, um, which makes these nine different types of sins. And so for the nine, like we were just talking about, it's this sin of sloth, this idea that I'm going to stay asleep to who I really am because it's easier than having to wake up and be responsible for myself as a person and as an adult. The one's primary sin would be wrath. Um, and so that doesn't mean the same thing as anger for eights and nines. What that means is this sort of like godlike wrath, which is why ones are so concerned with what's Righteous right and, and what's good. Justice, yeah, and what's, right. Because they, they've internalized this idea that, that I must be good, so everything I do must be good as well. Um, and so the, when the world around them is not good and when the world inside of them is not good, there's this like godlike wrath, this restrained, powerful, but like intense, focused, um, critical attitude that says this is not as it should be, let me correct it. For the two, their sin is pride. So the two is like, remember, the, they're, <laughs> I know. Uh, they're a heart type looking for attention, but when you're constantly trying to give yourself to the world around you in hopes that they'll give back, you're also not allowed to receive anything. That's mm. like, you're not allowed to because then the ego's attacked. You know, like if all I am is one who gives, um, then what would I be if I were to receive? Because then I would, like everything would collapse. So pride is really this issue that I can't receive. I can't receive love. I can't receive what I really need. Um, because if I were to, I would look needy and I would be rejected because I'm I'm fundamentally undesirable. You know, that's the that's the internalized life for the two. So this pride looks like a, mm. I can't receive from the world, so I'll just keep giving, giving, giving. And I, I can keep giving because I don't need anything. And that's that's where the pride really lies for the two is th they're under the impression and they want others to be under the impression that they don't need anything. Um, I don't have any problems. I don't have anything I'm lacking. And you do. You have a lot of things that you're lacking. <laughs> so let me help you. Let me give you all right. that I have. And that kind of bolsters the two. Exactly. And that's the thing is that like a lot of twos will kind of like, how would I put it? Like they'll, they'll put themselves down a little bit or like they'll be quick to blame themselves externally. But internally, they're blaming others because the narrative is I actually don't need anything. So how could I have been in the wrong? You know, mm. I wasn't doing anything for myself. I was being selfless. And twos really do want to be seen as selfless. So when, when you're consumed with this idea of, I look like a selfless person, you're not allowed to present any of your own needs and ask for them because that's selfishness, it quotes. You know, you know, that's kind of the idea. So for the two, this pride is this idea that I, I don't need while the world around me does need. 
And so for the three, uh, another heart type looking for attention, their primary vice is vanity. Um, mm. And so a lot of people in the past would talk about this term deceit, which we'll also use. And threes are deceiving themselves about who they really are. But I see that more just as a vehicle to the ultimate root issue, which is vanity. This sense that um, my, my image and my personhood is so shifting and so conditional based on how beautiful I look in the moment. You mm. know? And that's this idea, this, this constant production idea. Like the three is dressing themselves up in a way, making themselves look so refined and so glamorous and so In vain in the fact that I can do that. I can convince people to like me no matter who. Yeah, and their vanity is really in how hard they can work because it's a, oh, I dressed myself up so well. Mm. I, my, I made my makeup look so good. Right, right. And you didn't, and it's because I worked hard, uh -huh. you know, and you didn't. I achieved all of these awards and yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so these accolades that the three is like so addicted to, it, it becomes this just like feeding a fake image, you know, and that's why it's so vain. And like, a lot of people, I don't know, this is another thing that drives me nuts. Like these Enneagram accounts on Instagram and all these things, you'll, you'll see like threes aren't really fake. It's just like, <laughs> it's the way I've, I've learned how to exist. But like, okay, wait, rewind. If everyone has some neurotic pattern and everyone's doing something that's really unhealthy, like who's not fake if not threes? You know, like <laughs> threes are fake. Threes right. are incredibly fake. And that's the point of the third neurosis. It's just like people nowadays don't want to stomach anything that feels that nasty. So right. it's like, oh no, threes aren't really fake. No. That's like, who I am. Threes, yeah. <laughs> threes are fake. Like that's the point. The third neurosis is an incredibly fake thing and it's just operating on whatever will feed the vanity. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Like these vices are something that we, it's not just, uh, not just something that is feeding our neurosis, but it's something that our neurosis is feeding. It's like, yeah, like the so two true. is saying, you know, I, I want to feed my pride that I can help and I can, you know, aid others and say that I don't. And mm. that is like a, that is an example to the world that I don't need help myself because I can look at, look at how I'm helping all these people. It's like feeding the pride, you know, the, you know, the idea of the one of like doing all of these things that are really good is feeding the vice that says I have godlike wrath, mm. that I can fight you know, injustice on my own terms. Yeah, and yeah look, that's true. You know, and it's feeding that idea. And then the, the three is saying, look, I, I'm feeding my vanity by saying that I can get any of you in my pocket if I just put on this outfit, make, make a show of it, and do whatever, and I have that potential. And that's and see, that's how they're mistaking the identity issue. Mm. Like they're they're thinking that's who they really are. Right. That this like they're this, attaching onto the vanity. This rather mask, than... exactly. This mask that I've put on, actually, since it's giving me the most attention, rather than like who I really am, I would rather tell myself that this vain conceit actually is me. Right. Because it because it's getting a lot more attention than the real me, which mm -hmm. I've hidden somewhere far, far, far away. And I think that's a big theme for threes is that like their true heart, they've just shoved in a closet somewhere far in the back of the house and like they've instead put on their best dress. Because it wasn't enough to get me. Exactly. It's sort of like, I don't want to be a regular Joe Schmo, right. like who's not going get, <laughs> to get any attention, who's not working hard. So the three instead is just like, I'm going to do my very darndest best to refine this fake shell that I've put on. There's like this great sadness to threes that I think everyone can sense because like no one wants that for them, you know, Right. A except that's just like the way they've learned to operate. Um, in fakeness. So that's that's where we'll end with the three. Um, the, the four, yeah. The four. So we talked about the issue of like lack, that they identify themselves as what's lacking, what, what they're missing. That's like where they find their truest self. 
in their heads. Um, that looks like envy. That's their primary passion or sin. Wow, yeah. And so envy isn't just like a, ooh, I wish I had your cute things. No, it's like the <laughs> right. idea is everyone else has some sense of wholeness and completion that I'm lacking. And understanding. Like everyone else is understood except for me. Exactly. Which gives them that like uniqueness. You know, they're like, I'm unique. No one gets me. And that feeds into the envy that we're talking about. Right. Is that, that there's this idea that like if I identify with what I'm lacking, I can feed the vice and the vice will feed me. Right. And if... And if I, my whole identity is that, I don't know how I said it like that. If my whole identity is that I am misunderstood, then my identity can be envy. Like, yeah. my identity can be this unique, random, like, artsy person that just is, you know, secretly envious of all of these. Yeah, and that's like a caricature of what, the way the four looks. But, like, mm -hmm. really what's going on is that the four is convinced, like, there can only be one four in a room, you know? Right. Like, the four can't be allowed to have any competitors because there aren't any to begin with. Like right. they, they're on the moon and everyone else is on earth. And and that's why we talk about this elitist mindset sometimes is that the four is really under the impression that since no one gets them, they don't even need to bother engaging with the world. Mm. And so like fives and like nines, there's this degree of like withdrawn absence for the four, which we'll talk about later, but, but that absence is their power. That's what gives them the attention right. is that because I'm so separate and because I'm so under engaged with the world, I can have some sense of identity. Mm -hmm. So for the five, we'll talk about their primary vice, which is this idea of like avarice or greed. Those are the words that sound sort of like a little archaic sometimes, but the point is... Avarice. <laughs> avarice, yeah, like what does that even mean? But it's this idea that like, I don't want to share myself. I don't mm. want to share what I have and who I am. So the five's lie, remember, is I don't have any needs. So since they have this sense like, I can't acknowledge what I need and I don't want the world to acknowledge what I need or to ask me what, what they need, um, I'll instead just hoard myself away in this little separate container um, where the world doesn't ask anything of me and I don't ask anything of it. So it's not like the normal kind of greed that you would think of, which is, you know, this a Hallmark movie villain who's like, I'm a businessman, yeah. I want more money. No, no. You know, it's like someone, it's not someone who's just going after more and more stuff. The five is saying it's, greed it's is almost, what they already have. Yeah, greed is what they have and, and they don't want to give that away. They don't want to get more necessarily, but they don't want to, they don't want to give away any of what they already have. Yeah, and I think the trademark word for me when I'm talking about the five is this issue of stinginess that really, at the end of the day, I don't want to share myself because remember, like th this subservient lie to this idea that I don't have any needs is this other lie that says the world's needs are too much for me. So if the world even shows up, if I were to touch the world, if I were to engage with it, if I were to do anything other than just watch it and observe it and study it, um, it would take everything from me. So the five instead becomes this rational head type that just wants to see the world and observe it and learn it and study it. Which looks so like contrary to the two. If you think about the two says, if I give to you, you must give back to me. It almost lives on this obligation, whereas the the five says, if I don't give to you... You don't have to give to you me. You don't yeah. have to give to me, and I don't want that. <laughs> exactly. That, like I think that's so interesting, and, and we'll get to that later, too, but fives and twos are both very concerned with need. It's just they're doing completely opposite things. It's so they both think they'll only get what they want um, if they do one really extreme thing. So mm -hmm. for the two, that's if I give all of myself. That's the only way I'll get what I want. And for the five, it's if I keep all of myself, that's the only way I'll get what then I want. I'll, then I'll be secure. Exactly. And, and to your point, I feel like fives often look content. Yeah, there's this like collectedness about fives because they have made this contractual agreement with the world that like, right. I'm not gonna engage and you don't have to engage with me and that's fine. And so I'll instead just like watch and learn mm -hmm. from what's going on and I don't have to actually be a character in, in the story. But they don't realize that in their contentment or their maybe fake contentment, 
that they are just not engaged. And they don't realize that they have needs. That's the thing, is that like, mm. even though they're under the like impression. Like genuinely, they don't think that they. Yeah, they don't think that they need anything from the world, but like they don't think they need like emotional things necessarily. doesn't mean they don't have feelings. It's just this, there's this sense that fives exist on their own and are okay with their independence. Mm. I am I am totally independent and that's a good thing. You know, right. that's, that's their impression. But it's actually not a good thing because what you end up doing is cutting off and isolating everyone in your world and mm -hmm. hey, hate to break it to you fives, but like people love you and care about you and <laughs> you hoarding yourself is actually incredibly selfish and rude. Mm, but like, wow. But maybe again, that's my, my own <laughs> tuition is speaking. <laughs> but. Uh, okay, so six. Okay, sixes. Like. <laughs> we've, we've heard the fives enough. <laughs> yeah, we truly have. So the six is this, um, this primary passion or vice of unbelief. Mm. So a lot of times you'll hear f f fear, I think, yeah. is the description for the six, but I don't find that very helpful because like five, sixes, and sevens are, are, are all, all concerned fearful. with fear. Um, but the fear for the six is unbelief, really, that because I cannot trust myself, because I am incapable, everything in the world is to be distrusted. So th like they oscillate between this sense of like, I either completely believe whatever I've chosen to trust or I don't believe anything at all. Mm. Um, and so the six is all consumed with this doubt that the world is something to be doubted because I am to be doubted. So even my perception of the world right. and my engagement with the world is something I should be questioning it and wondering whether or not I should actually believe. Because how can you be sure of anything when you can't even be sure of, of your yourself. own yeah. logic in picking something that's like sure, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, there are a lot of sixes I love in my life who are persistently exhausted and I don't blame them, you know? Like right. they're, they're, that's something really sad and I think like, you hear this a lot, and I think it's true, like in Enneagram podcasts and other conversations, like we should have empathy for people, mm. you know, like at the end of the day, there are humans and these neurotic patterns are not who we are. They're just what we've learned and th what we think will solve our problems. But that doesn't mean that they're not issues, you know, right. like we think they'll solve our problems, but they still they still make us do things that we don't really want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's so important to recognize the problems, because we don't want to just type people to hate them. <laughs> yeah, and be like, yo, like, you oh, suck, you're why? you're an eight, okay. You know, like, <laughs> oh, or you're a six, all right. You know, like, we're, that's not the point. The point is that everyone has some sort of core lie that they're believing, as we're pointing out, that is causing them to act out on these neuroses, like neuroses, and, and it, and that is something that as people on this earth, we can understand that and then fill those, like, ab abolish those lies, really, yeah, in other exactly, people's lives. exactly, throw them away. And so that's our hope, I think, is that like by teaching the Enneagram well and teaching it frequently and in this podcast, like people can learn actually what the lies are and how to challenge them and, and mm. how, to, how to leave them behind. What truth to fill. Exactly. Like, th because there always is a truth. And that's the thing is like the theme you'll notice for all of these types, there's this, there's this sense of like, I'm replacing or undoing what I'm actually really afraid of. Like mm. they all have this m main core fear. Like for example, like for the one, like we talked about, the fear is that I really am bad. Mm. So I'm gonna do everything in my power to make me good. Um, but when you're doing this, like you're, you're pushing so hard in the other direction, it just wears you out and you end up falling back to exactly what you feared, you know? Mm -hmm. So our hope should be that we can love people well and love ourselves well into a sense of like, oh, I can see myself as I am and I can see my cycles as they are but not, not have to connect those two things. Right. You know? And and to talk about the six a little bit more, and, and especially talking about how these different types are honestly just feeding that vice. The six is feeding the vice of unbelief by trying to outsource belief. Exactly. But That's they have so to good. rely so on good. their own mind to do so, which just feeds the cycle. Because they have no choice but to be human. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're almost like, 
the most likely to have someone else order for them at a, at a diner. Exactly. It's but like then a, at the, as they get it, they're like, oh, was that a good choice to trust that person? Maybe I should have trusted this person. Yeah. They're not going to yeah, say, like, maybe I won't like it. They're going to say, maybe I shouldn't have trusted that yeah. one person. Okay, so moving on to the seven. So the seven lie, like we talked about, is I will not be taken care of. And what that manifests as is this, I need to take care of myself. So Amalia described it once in a really great way. It's sort of like the seven was left at home without any food <laughs> in the cupboard. So it's like, I'm going to go to the store and buy everything. Because mm -hmm. um, while they're at the store, they're like walking around. They see, oh, marshmallows. You know, like they see all these other things. Yeah, and so sevens love opportunities like mm -hmm. that because everything has potential and everything has potential value. But when you're trying to consume the world like that, that ends up looking like the sin of gluttony. So mm -hmm. this vice and passion for the seven is that like everything is not enough. Like I need everything and then more, mm -hmm. you know? And so everything is just like another experience, another stimulation for the seven, because remember, they're a head type, so they do want some sort of mental stimulation, they want some sort of mental engagement, um, but it's not its not enough for them. And a trend you'll notice with sevens is that they're frequently bored. Like, they don't want to be. I was just about be, to say, yeah. But, but they, they desperately just want to be entertained, because entertainment feels like fulfillment for a second. Right, because they also might, might have this um, problem with kind of buying everything at the store, but then only eating like two pieces of it. Exactly. And then being like, oh, I'm done. And you then know? There's, there's like a hidden disappointment with all the things that you just wasted. Mm -hmm. But the seven doesn't want to feel that. So instead of like looking in the cupboard and being like, dang, I don't want any of this anymore. Right. They just like go back to the store. It's like, like I'll just I get more I feel like a seven every time I go to Trader Joe's. Because I'm like, I, like, I want to try everything. <laughs> yeah, especially when you like, gluten-free, okay. Those you know? hippie aesthetics and everything. You're like, oh, that sounds amazing. I exactly. love this weird bean salsa. Let's go for it. <laughs> Exactly. And then you're like, oh, this was actually really kind of I know. Lame. Well, like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> Whatever. So the seven, yeah, the seven is the sin of gluttony, um, and which sounds sort of similar to the next one. The eight is the sin of lust. And eights and sevens both want more out of life. Hmm. Um, but it looks different. For the seven, it's like more stimulation. Uh, and that's what gluttony is about. It's like having more to fill my stomach and, and feel that sense of like fulfillment for a second. But the eight <laughs> is dealing with this primary issue of lust, which is this idea that like, I must have power and I must have more of it. Um, and I just was thinking about the idea of lust not too long ago and realizing it's this really, it's, it's not just like a sexual lust, but it's this idea that, that there are things that don't belong to me and mm. I will take them anyway. Mm. And, and so this- There's a sense of power in that. Exactly, this lust for power is just like this never ending process of, of thinking about and, and processing how do I get leverage in every single situation. And so eights are like, like I talked about earlier, there's like this hidden soft spot to eights, but eights can be truly like off-putting when you first meet them mm -hmm. because their concern is that they will be betrayed. And when you're right. expecting betrayal everywhere, like you don't expect people to be nice. So you're not very nice in right. return. You know, like when you anticipate other people doing you wrong, you have no problem doing them wrong in turn. And I kind of think about lust, even the word, almost as a, the evil twin of love. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, if you were yeah. to enter into a relationship, it's much scarier to say, I'm going to enter into this with this idea of love. Because it's much better, because lust I think of as To this, take power. Yeah, yeah, this separate thing that says, I have control, I can leave at any time. Mm. Because I have like all of this Because I never love. actually invested in my heart. Exactly. I just invested my lust. But genuinely what they do want is love. Of course. But like they're terrified. Does. Yeah. They're, ter they're, they're terrified of that. So they're, they'll settle for lust. And, and I think all of these types will settle for something. Exactly, exactly. And for the eight, that's the sense of being in control. Right. It's like the goal to, like everyone does want to be vulnerable. Everyone wants the chance to like be known and, and be loved and be cared for. But the eight doesn't think that's an option. You know, mm -hmm. like they can't afford to think that way mm -hmm. in their heads. And so everything becomes about domination. They, they really mistake domination as a virtue. Right. It's, that's the real issue. And I heard, 
I heard that a long time ago, and I was just really struck by this idea that like the eight truly is under the impression that if I if I take command of everything in the world, if I just constantly expand, it makes me think of like that. Remember like uh, that Agario game where like you're a little <laughs> circle that just like bumps around the screen and like consumes other yes! circles. Oh my that's, goodness! That is the eighth neurosis. This right. idea that like that's actually a good thing. That to right. do that is good for others because. I know best. Because uh-huh. I'm never the bully. I'm never to blame. I, exactly. And and this idea for the eight that I'm never the bad guy makes them think that them expanding like that is just a form of protecting the world around mm, them. That like yeah. by, me, by me being so big and bringing you all under my umbrella, I'm really just helping and protecting you. But what they don't do is ask if you want to be consumed. Exactly. They just <laughs> demand. And right. I, and that's what makes eights kind of so daunting is that they, they're incredibly powerful and often very intelligent, but, th- but their focus is on domination even if they don't see it, mm. that they're just expanding and expanding. And, and no one expands like an eight. And so a lot of times you'll hear this idea that like the eight is the biggest personality on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, it is. Um, and in contrast, the nine is maybe the... Uh, no, it's the smallest for the sure. Smallest. And like we talked about, that's, that's the issue of sloth. It's not like a, a sloth of like, a, oh, I don't want to do the dishes, though it might manifest that way. The core right. issue is I don't want to exist as a human. I mm. would rather just like float around in this half-life sort of like chill, doing whatever, having a and good time. And consume the least, mm-hmm. whereas the eight's like, I'm going to consume everything because it's almost like the nine says, I don't know best, and the eight says, I do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, so now that we talked about, we talked through all the types, we talked about we their core lies, good good job, good everyone, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and their vices, which is so important, so, so important. Um, a lot of people, when they first get to know the Enneagram, they're like, what the heck are wings, and are they important, and what's happening? And, and often people, I will hear people say, you know, oh, I'm this type, and this wing, and that's why, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what are the wings? Like, how much impact do they have, really? Yeah, let's talk about that. I think, okay, so the wing types are the two types that are adjacent to your type on the Enneagram. Um, so, for example, if I'm a nine, the types next to me would be an eight or a one. Mm-hmm. So I could have an eight wing or a one wing or both or neither. What you so, can't do is have a six wing, which exactly. I've also heard lots of people. Yeah, They're people like, I'm a nine with a five wing. wing. Yeah, no, you're not, girl. <laughs> Sorry to say it. But, um, yeah, so the wings are just this, really, they, they color your behavior, but they don't really change, at the end of the day, your root motivation. You know, mm-hmm. like, even if you, uh, you're a nine with an eight wing, your core issue is not that you're anticipating betrayal. You know, you're still, your core issue is still that, oh, my presence isn't going to make a difference, which right. is actually so different. Right. So you might have eight-ish behavior sometimes because those are all learned, you know? Mm. Like, the body types exist sort of in tandem with each other, you know, because they're all dealing with this issue of anger. And we all learn these different ways to deal with anger because everyone has all the neuroses, like, right. within us, you right. know? So everyone at some point in their life learns to use that eighth space or that ninth space or that first space. Um, but it, none of them are helpful, you know? Mm. But the wing behaviors are just, like, things that color our type in a more distinct way. But I think a lot of times people just love to say, oh, I'm a nine wing one, because that's a way of distinctivizing, like, oh, I'm extra special. And here's, right. like, you know, I'm not, like, a basic nine. I'm a nine <laughs> one wing, you know? And so at the end of the day, for anyone who's listening, if you do want to talk about your wing, like, go ahead, but that doesn't, like, I don't really care, you know? Like, <laughs> like I might be slightly interested to hear that, and then I'd rather talk, like, there's so much more content with the Enneagram. Mm. And, and, and I think there's like, so much more important content. It's not, I mean, if you, if yeah. you find that knowing your wing is helpful, you know, like, for, awesome. like, Good for you. odd behaviors that you can't, you know, necessarily make sense, um, that's great. But I think, you know, we'll get into content that is far, you know, deeper than just wings, and that explain so much more about, you know. What's going on. What's underneath. going on, yeah. And I think the thing is like, like remember, I think wings, people love wings because it feels like an extra identifier. Mm-hmm. And that's my warning, is that like, 
remember, the point of the Enneagram is not to find your little cute personality type. The point of the Enneagram <laughs> right. is to recognize like, oh, here's my cyclical behavior that's ruining the lives of me and those I love. And so <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not an ENFP. I'm like, this is the core fear and, and lies that I'm believing. Exactly. And, and like for me, I've I've seen a three wing in most of my life as a two, but even recently I've been recognizing that that first wing that exists, this sense of like perfectionism in me and like it's not a good thing, you know? Mm. Like that this idea that like I'm never going to I'm never going to do it perfectly, that's not normal, you know? Like we think it's normal because a lot of people struggle with that, but if I can identify that as a pattern in my life and learn how to move forward from it, great. But you don't want to just like tack that on as like, oh, that's my middle name. Right. No, it's not. Actually, <laughs> right. that's a problem. Right. So I think wings are helpful for identifying like, oh, what are, like, where might there be a little bit more of an issue than an, another issue, you know? Mm. But if you're talking about your wing type more than the rest of the Enneagram, uh, I'm sorry to say, I think you're missing the point of the Enneagram, <laughs> which, which is that it goes a lot deeper. Um, so yeah, we just covered a pretty basic topic of, of what the Enneagram types look like, what the neuroses are doing, what's going on. And I think we went a little bit deeper than most people do on this kind of stuff. So I hope it was something new and fresh for anyone who's listening. Uh, but we also covered wings because we wanted to, to cover a topic that feels familiar to a lot of people. And like, hey, if you want to go after your type and, and figure out what's more specific and what's more helpful for you, go for it. But So as people who are listening to this, maybe even for the first time, like trying to figure out their type, um, as, as they're listening, even if they want to go back, what should you say, like, what advice would you give them in trying to type themselves? That's really great. So, like, remember the core lie is not cognizant, mm. you know? This seven idea, for example, that I will not be taken care of. Like, sevens are over positive. They're not under the impression that, like, right. people are going to fail them. These lies are unconscious. Mm. So don't think about, like, do these words specifically resonate with mm -hmm. me? Be concerned with, like, well, what follows from that? You know, like, what are the, the thought patterns that follow? What are the, what are the necessary responses that you think you have to do in order to be loved or to be taken care mm -hmm. of or to whatever? Could you give an example of that? Example of what? Of, of that, like, what could be a thought process that follows one of these lies? Well, yeah, for example, like, for me as a two, I, I didn't think I was a two when I first saw the Enneagram. I actually did think I was a seven, as an example. Right. But um, when I realized, like, oh, I'm actually not concerned with satisfaction like a seven is. Mm. I'm concerned with attention. And it took me a long time to see that. But I was diverting all of my time, all of my resources, all my energy onto relationship with others because I was looking for some sort of identity validation that I am wanted by others by right. making them so wanted in my life. So know? it might be helpful for people to even ask the question, ask themselves, what vice do I find myself filling the most? Yeah, and I think those vices are important to recognize. But also as we get into more um, in-depth topics, you'll realize other things that might help you type. So like maybe hold off a little bit on finding a final destination of, oh, this is what I think ne the neurosis is most prevalent in my life. Because we'll have a lot more content coming up that will help you identify. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, you'll recognize different spaces in, in people's lives. You know, like at the end of the day, remember that the heart types, twos, threes, and fours, all want attention, and therefore they all create an emotional landscape. In the same sense, the head types all want some sense of security, so they all create a rational landscape of what makes sense, what's true, what's mm -hmm. false. And the body types are all concerned about an action-oriented landscape. So they're all concerned about justice. What do I need to do to make this, to make the actions and make the choices that need to be made for, for there to be justice and, and for there to be a sense of righteousness in the world? Yeah. So that's all we have for today's episode. But uh, we hope that you learned a lot, that you maybe even took notes. Glad um, you joined us, buffoons. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But right before we go, we just wanted to encourage you, uh, reach out to us. Um, follow us on Instagram at notmytypeenneagram. 
or email us at notmytypeenneagram at gmail.com. And we'd love to take any questions. And um, thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. And, and next time we'll be covering some more in-depth topics. So if you have any questions in the meantime, feel free to ask. Yep. All right. We'll see you. Bye.